If you will, stand with me this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 1. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to preach today, dear Lord. Dear Lord, help me to do that with the leading of your Spirit. Dear Lord, just take control of this service. Guide us and direct us in the way that you'd have us to go. Forgive us all our sins. In your name I pray. Amen. The first thing I want to look at this morning is the troubling circumstance that John was in. Obviously, we read here in our text that John was in prison. We're going to talk a little bit about how he got there shortly. But just think, this man, John, in prison. And and, and I want to relate that to us personally this morning. But I want to show you how big of a problem or how big of a scenario it took to get John in prison, real quick. If you remember back in uh, the New Testament where Jesus was born, there was a king. His name was King Herod the Great. Not because he was a great leader, not because he was uh, this magnificent man. He was called Herod the Great because he was a great builder. He built some pretty awesome stuff. Well, King Herod the Great, he's the one that tried to murder all the babies when Jesus was born. That's him. King Herod the Great had three sons. Uh, Those three sons were Herod, Archelaus, Herod Antipopus, and Herod Philip. Those three sons, uh, after Herod the Great died off, uh, those three sons inherited the kingdom pretty much. But Rome had come in at that time and split it up and divided the kingdom among these three with really the least amount going to Herod Philip. And in, in that, Herod Philip married a woman named Herodias. Uh, they even had a child together named Salome. And so uh, they had a little happy family over here. Well, one day Herod Antipopus went to visit his brother Herod Philip, and evidently he fell in love with Herodias. Okay? So Herodias leaves Herod Philip, goes and marries Herod Antipopus. Okay, I hope I'm saying that name right, but you try it. Alright? And, uh, so, so Herod Antipopus now is married to Herod Herodias, or, I'm sorry, Herodias, which is Herod Philip's wife. Okay, his own brother's wife. Can you imagine how messed up that is? Alright? Well, it would be even more messed up if I told you that this is the reason John the Baptist is in prison. If you go back and you read your scripture in Mark, We're going to start in Mark chapter 6, verse 17. 
It says, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. Okay, so everything I just told you is true. It said it right there. His brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John said, John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. So here's John. He's preaching the truth. He's telling Herod uh, Antipapus that, hey, you can't have your uh, brother's wife. This is not lawful. This is, And the law he was referring to was the Jewish law. Okay, we can look back in the Old Testament and see that this is not right. And then he keeps going in verse 19. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have him killed. Or have him have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy and, and holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Okay, so going back to our story, Herod and Tippus married Herodias. Herodias. Uh, John the Baptist preached that this wasn't a lawful marriage, so Herodias wanted him in prison. Herod Antipas said, okay, but she, he didn't want to kill him because he feared him. He thought he was good. I mean, so now we not only have a social mess up, which the marriage is what I'm talking about, but we have a marriage mess up, which, and what I'm saying in that is we have husband and wife just sitting in quarreling over John the Baptist. All the meanwhile, John the Baptist is sitting in prison. Can you imagine how messed up John the Baptist thought this situation was? How hard he thought this situation was. But let's step back for a moment and think of it from John's point of view. He was Jesus' cousin, right? If Jesus loved anybody, he should have loved John the Baptist, right? Because that, that's his cousin, that's his own family. Matthew 3, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Okay, I want to break that down for you. Not only was he Jesus' own flesh and blood family, kin, uh, John the Baptist was the one prophesied about in the Old Testament to be the forerunner for Jesus. He gave up everything for Christ. I mean... To live in a social synagogue or, or something like that. He just put it aside. He went out in the wilderness. He ate bugs and wild honey. Dressed himself with the hair of animals. This man gave it all up for Jesus. But yet John is in prison. I think to some point we have these troubling problems in our lives too. We think to ourselves, man, I'm so good. Why is God putting this on me? Why is God giving me this situation when I'm, I'm His follower? I've been faithful. I'm not this bad of a person. 
And in that moment, just like John, we begin to doubt Christ. Because what does John do? His doubtful servant. Matthew 1, or Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, it says in verse 3, and John said to his disciples, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Some may pass judgment on John here and think, I can't believe he would doubt Jesus. John Lee bold, boldly stood in the wilderness and proclaimed that Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. And yet here he is asking Jesus, should I look for another? How could this man for one second think that Jesus was something other than what John himself proclaimed about Jesus. John's circumstance that he was in, those prison walls clouded his own conviction about who Jesus was. John used to be out in the open air of the wilderness and the blazing sun that came down on him, but now he's in this dark prison cell. What he once could see was hindered by the walls that surrounded Him. And this happens to us all the time. We get in our circumstances and they seem so dark and bleak that it clouds our vision of who God is. Because we are in the middle of problems and chaos, those become the walls that surround us and block what we can see. And because of those problems are all the time on our minds. They're all we can think about. All our eyes can see. We begin to tell ourselves that this is all there is. And we forget who Jesus is. It's important to always remember that Jesus is bigger than our circumstance. He's greater than our problem. That's who Jesus is. Even though we are hurting, God is still on His throne. He hasn't moved one centimeter out of place. Just because I'm hurting doesn't mean that God has changed. I want to take you this morning to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. And show you this reminder that I'm trying to tell you right here in Scripture. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Isn't that awesome? That even though I'm going through pain, though I'm going through turmoil, Jesus is sitting on His throne and He's got it all in His hands, all held together the way He wants it. Isn't that awesome? Not only was there a doubtful servant, but there was a comforting crowd. If you remember, as the disciples go and they speak to Jesus and ask Him the question that John sent them to ask, He does not tell John's disciples, hey, tell my cousin I'm coming to break him out. He doesn't tell His disciples that He's going to send a great earthquake like He did with 
some of the apostles in the New Testament, and, and that will free John from his imprisonment. Matter of fact, most of you know the end of this story where John ends up killed in that same imprisonment because of Herodias' daughter, Salome. But Jesus' reply was something simple. In verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. Jesus wanted to remind John. Uh, Jesus wanted to remind John that he was the one prophesied. If you remember back to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter thirty-five. If you'll flip there with me in your Bibles, Isaiah thirty-five, verse five through six. It says here. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart, and the tongues of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and the streams and streams in the desert. Jesus reminds John of the promise of Isaiah. And Jesus reminds John. Go tell John, is what he tells his disciples, what you've heard and what you've seen. And that's exactly the prophecy of what Isaiah said. He wanted John's disciples to go back and encourage John that Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. John couldn't see outside of his problems. But there was a crowd that could. If you're here this morning, you may be a part of that crowd. Maybe there's somebody in this world that you know of that's hurting, that's suffering, that's going through pain. Have you told them what you've seen and heard? Have you told them about Jesus Christ and how He loved you so much that He went to the cross and He died on the cross to take away their sins? And though there's pain and suffering here, He goes to prepare a place where there is none. Maybe we need to be the comforting crowd. We're told elsewhere in the Bible to be this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 11 says, Wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. If you skip down to verse 14, it says, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Colossians 3.16 also reminds us to do the same thing. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I love that teaching and admonishing, encouraging one another in the Lord. We need to be that comforting crowd. 
Or maybe we need to surround ourselves with people who are that comforting crowd. All John really needed to know was that Jesus was Lord. If we know the rest of the story, John's killed in prison. There was no hope in him getting out this side of heaven. But there was heaven. The hope of heaven is greater than all our pain. The hope of heaven is greater than our sorrow. It's greater than our circumstances. In Revelation chapter 21, Revelation 21, in verse 4, it said, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Heaven's going to be awesome. Heaven's going to be great. And no matter what circumstance we ever get in in life, we still have the hope of heaven. That's an amazing thought. That no matter how bad this world gets, and we've talked about that for several weeks, no matter how bad this world gets, we still have the hope of heaven. But that's not all Jesus gave to John. He didn't just send a comforting crowd to John. He also gave John a promise. Look at verse 6. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. The word offend here uh, in the Greek is skandalizo. It's where we get our word scandalize or scandal. And its literal English translation is to stumble. And what Jesus is telling the disciples of John to go back and tell John is you're going to be blessed if you do not stumble over Me. What? Stumble over God? Stumble over Jesus? How, How does that make sense? Here's what happens, and this is what happened to John. A lot of times... Jesus doesn't fit the expectations that we think He should be. And so we begin to stumble in our faith at who Jesus is. And Jesus says, no. Blessed is He who doesn't stumble. Blessed is He that goes through the problem and knows full-heartedly that Jesus is on His throne, He's in control, and He's going to bring us through. Blessed is that man. If you go back and you study the word blessed, you know that uh, blessed there uh, has reference to happy. But how peaceful of a troubling circumstance can it be if you don't know Jesus? It's very troubling. But if you go through a circumstance and you know that Jesus can work all things together for good for those who love Him, there is amazing hope and peace in that. Also, this word stumble, if you look at the New Testament, you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 23 talks about the Jews would stumble at Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ 
is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, to Jews and to Greeks, to mere men, Jesus doesn't make sense. But as we're drawn by the Holy Spirit and as we're led to Jesus, we can understand that He is the power of salvation. He is grace and love shown towards man. Jesus Christ is not a stumbling block, but a Savior. How could somebody stumble over Jesus? It's the same way the Jews stumble over Jesus today. Their expectation of who Jesus was wasn't Jesus. But I'm telling you here today, Jesus is everything He needs to be. Jesus was everything He needed to be at this point. If you remember back to Isaiah, Isaiah talked about, in the wilderness shall come streams. That prophecy hasn't been fulfilled yet, but you know what? He's coming back to fulfill it. Jesus Christ, yes, He didn't finish every Old Testament prophecy, but He did every Old Testament prophecy that related to His first coming when He came. But when He comes again, there's still more to come. We know that sometimes our circumstances can cloud our judgment. We know sometimes that things around us can make us look at Jesus a little different. But Jesus is the same today as He was yesterday. And He will always be. I've also heard this. I've heard people say, Well, I can't believe in Jesus Christ. He's a loving God, but yet He allows pain and suffering. Jesus said, blessed is He. Whosoever shall not offend, be offended in Me. Jesus is letting not only that crowd there know, but He's letting us know today. He reaches through Ages and ages. And he uses a word that we're so familiar with. He says, whosoever. And that includes me and you. And he says, if you want to stumble at me, but rather put your faith in me, you'll be blessed. And I remember, as a seven-year-old boy, there was one day that I did that. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, this life is going to bring all of us more blessings, but I don't know that there was a day in history that I was more blessed than that day. Because that day, I had the hope of heaven. That day, I I saw Jesus for who He was, not for who I thought He should be. Let me tell you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus for who He is, I would invite you to do that today. As we get ready for a hymn of invitation, if you've been in the middle of those circumstances and you think, Trey, I don't know why God's not pulling me through. I want to tell you something. 
your circumstance does not define what God thinks of you. The cross does. The cross does. Even though I'm going through pain and misery here, Jesus died on the cross to show He loved me. And while I was still yet a sinner, He hung on the cross to show His love for me. Oh, yeah, He punishes those who He loves. But that's not what He thinks of you. My daddy punished me because he loved me. But that didn't define what He thought of me. You see, Jesus went to the cross to prove His love to you. There's nothing else in the world that can show that any better than that old rugged cross. Don't stumble at Jesus this morning. Run to Him. If you're in the middle of a bad circumstance, run to Him. If you've never met Jesus for who He is, run to Him this morning. Because He's more. He's so much more than just a mere man, a mere teacher. He is Lord and King. Amen. As we sing, Hymn number 394.